It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to our episode of Making It Personal. I am your host, Carrie Fersner from the Office of Personalized Learning, and we have some very special guests with us um, that are in connection with our launch cohort. So I will start by allowing them to introduce themselves. Okay, I am Kelly Stello. I'm the instructional coach at Westview Elementary School in Berkeley County School District. I am Brittany Terry. I'm a fourth grade math and science teacher with Clover Schools at Griggs Road Elementary. Hello, I'm Lindsay Yurda. I am a teacher educator at Winthrop University and I work at Rosewood Elementary as their faculty in residence. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, as we can see, we have um, some different representatives from all across the educational spectrum. So with that in mind, I wanted to start off um, by asking all of you, um, since this podcast centralizes on personalized learning and we're, we're talking about or thinking about the shift from traditional education, where it started from, um, to where we're trying to go now with education, personalizing learning for students. My first question that I wanted to ask you all is what your why is. So you all are here, you're all a part of um, the launch cohort, you're part of our um, professional development network, um, so there has to be a reason why you find this work important. So um, in no particular order, just share, um, you know, what is your reason why, why do you feel like this is important? Personalized learning is just uh, what's best for kids. You know, some need more time and choices when they're learning. Mm-hmm. And I think with the shift in our world towards a more globalized, um, participatory kind of place, jobs are very different than what they used to be. And if we keep preparing kids in that factory type model, then our learners are not going to be prepared to have jobs in. 10, 15, 20 years. And I think my why is really what most educators are. I want our kids to become change agents and I want them to be able to understand their own self capacity and to discover their passions in life. And I think personalized learning lets them know that it's a lifelong journey and that education is never ending. Just to rewind back, if you could define what personalized learning is for someone who's never heard of it before, what would you say? meeting kids where they're at yes. in a way that mm-hmm. really engages them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the key phrase that comes to me is agency. Mm-hmm. And so really, I think when I t- define personalized learning, it's agency and ownership. And I think it also makes things relevant for our students. Okay, how, how is what I'm learning relevant and how it's going to impact me in my future? When you talk about um, student agency and ownership, um, oftentimes when we look in traditional classrooms, we see... Um, you know, students, you know, sitting and getting. Um, the teacher is the sage on the stage. Um, so by default, a lot of students may check out of the learning process um, for a variety of different reasons. How do you think um, educators can go about making that shift with students, um, teaching them about or um, exposing them to what agency is and, and making that transition? I think one statement that um I think Robin from Knowledge Works said today and has said consistently throughout it is, what are we doing for our students that they can do for themselves? Mm-hmm. And so I think when we're planning our lessons or we're planning for instruction, if we keep that question in our forefront, I think it's going to let us be much more intentional in our design. Okay. 
with what I've done in my classroom, I've, uh, I've made their learning visible to them so okay. that they are responsible for their learning. This is where they're at, this is where they need to go and they see it and know it. And so they're responsible. I'm not the one who's responsible for giving them the information. They are responsible for learning it themselves. Can you go into that a little bit deeper and like give some like maybe an example of how you do that in your classroom? Okay, so I have every fourth grade math standard up on my wall. Um, above this I can statement is three levels of below benchmark, approaching benchmark, at benchmark, or above benchmark. And they practice, they, they, set, they start by setting a goal, and then they practice it when they feel ready, whether that's two weeks or two days or a month, they assess, and then I place them where they're at. Okay. Were you, were you going to add on to that? No, <laughs> <laughs> no I was going to ask. Okay, so with all of that planning, that must take a lot of planning up front. It was a lot of upfront planning. Um, but now that it's out there mm -hmm. and it's accessible for them, like they, they took over. It just, once I put that data wall up, it transformed my classroom. Mm -hmm. And I could just step back and I just watched the magic happen. Mm -hmm. Wow. Cool. What do you think, Lindsay? For the first time this semester, I had my students at the very beginning of the semester develop personalized learning profile. And so my students were very used to seeing interest inventories, right? And I'm like, this is very similar. Mm -hmm. It's just one more step in that direction. But we talked about who we are as learners. We set goals for ourselves for the semester. But after that initial class period, I had one of my students who's 22 years old, will be teaching in, the, in her own classroom next year in the fall, um, come up to me and tell me she didn't realize that she you know, was this type of learner and she had never thought about how she learned best, and she's an adult. So I think it's really important that we start thinking about the shift at the teacher education level. Hmm. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Um, I know we, we have tons of colleges that are, you know, maybe struggling with the fact that there aren't a lot of teachers that are going into the field. Um, and that's something that as a state in South Carolina, we are dealing with the fact that teachers aren't entering the field. Um, and some of the programs, for example, I went to Winthrop University and Winthrop to me is illegal. I'm just biased. <laughs> I'm just biased. I love Winthrop. But um, I didn't learn about personalized learning until much later in my career. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you think can be done or leveraged at the collegiate level that can help maybe A, spark more interest in people wanting to pursue education, and then B, preparing the interest that we have now for um, you know, the work of personalized learning. I think what we're doing at the state level, because this is a national issue, there's yeah. a teacher shortage mm -hmm. across the country, but I think what you guys are doing at the state level, even with things like a podcast, that we can share and drum up interest, um, I think that's really, really important. And to get other people interested in, in joining our profession, personalized learning is fascinating, mm -hmm. right? It's all these different moving parts and I think that could help get people to see how great our teachers are and how fun of a job it can be. Yeah. Did you guys have any comments on that? Well, I have a different bachelor's degree. Yeah. Because oh, I didn't even great. want to be a teacher. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and then it's when my kids started school. Mm. And then I started being, I was in the elementary school a little bit more and fell in love with it. And so then I got my certification. So yeah, it's just about like sharing what we're doing. stories mm -hmm. and what we're doing. Wow. Because I didn't know teaching could be so cool. And yeah. yeah. And I think when you see it. Um, 
just general education. Okay. I went to school to learn. I had like 200 <laughs> college <laughs> credits and right. they kicked me out. <laughs> that's really neat. That's, yeah, that's interesting. But I think yeah. when you start to see personalized learning actualize and you see the level of engagement and as an educator, I'm excited to go to work every single day mm-hmm. and their children are excited because they're seeing their progress. And it lets them all know it almost it's an equitable experience for them mm-hmm. because they can say, you know what, I may not have been a grade level, but I can chart my growth. Look how far mm-hmm. I am. Look where my next step is. And so they constantly see that cycle of learning. And so it's really been a confidence booster for all of our students mm-hmm. because they know their trajectory of where they need to go. Yeah. So it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. So an issue might be, I mean, if, if we polled teachers, a lot of times a, a common complaint is the amount of assessment, mm-hmm. the standardized assessment. But when you look at personalized learning, assessments relate exactly to where each learner is. Um, it's just so, it's a logical way to approach education. Yeah. It's authentic. Yes. And that's what's most critical is I think sometimes students have a disconnect as to how does this content relate to me right. mm-hmm. and how is it really going to apply later on in life. But when you have an authentic-based assessment, then suddenly it all comes full circle for them. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Now, here's something else. Um, personalized learning, when you look at the full scope of it, like you said, it's a lot of moving parts, mm-hmm. and someone can easily get um, overwhelmed or disenchanted by thinking, you know, oh, this is just one more thing. Um, but um, the reality of it is everyone enters a different way. So my question for you all is, um, with all the different levels of experience we have in the room, what was your entry point as a professional into the world of personalized learning? How did you come about that? Like, for example, um, my story, I actually was a, was a classroom teacher, um, and I had been doing things pretty traditional. Um, there were some aspects of personalized learning that I didn't know about that I was including in my class, just because that was naturally part of me. For example, flexible seating in my classroom. That was just something that I was just, you know, that I was just drawn to because, I mean, why are we having straight row desks? When, when I'm at my house, sometimes I work at the desk and sometimes I work on my couch and sometimes I work at my bed. So, um, but um, my mom actually, she was an educator and she went to a conference and found out about personalized learning and came and told me. And it was a couple weeks before I started um, my like fourth year as a teacher and so I found out that there was an office of personalized learning and I called um, mm-hmm. and I actually spoke to Lauren who said you know hey you got to start with um, you know getting student buy-in and creating a class vision so I started there and then from there I just found out little things did little research um, started attending professional developments but that was kind of where I got my start so I'm curious as to kind of how you guys heard about personalized learning and what entry point you took to get started with the work? I think my journey really kind of began with um, a focus on PBL, on project-based learning and authentic assessments because I was really searching for ways in which students could show their learning in a variety of ways. So that was definitely an an entry point myself and then also with studying growth mindset Mm -hmm. and seeing that connection of how do we get students who are stuck and saying I can't do this are who are unwilling to, to take those risks. How can we get them to realize their potential? And so I was also blessed that um, my principal, who is a phenomenal leader, recognized the Office of Personalized Learning and said there's a great opportunity for us. So last year I took a team of our teachers through the launch cohort. This year we're back again with another team. And then the coaching co- cohort as well has been a valuable asset to have for us. Mm-hmm. 
school, and I came in with the perspective of being a parent, because you know I didn't know my own kids deeply, and some you know their strengths and their weaknesses, and just again it's just what's best for kids. And so I came mm -hmm. in, I started teaching, trying to make it personalized for every kid, because I got last year I had a student who was um, gifted GT, identified GT, and some who transferred in and was at a first grade level. So mm -hmm. how am I going to meet all of their needs? Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to go to Red Bank Elementary School, and I got to see some of what they did, mm -hmm. and I brought it to my classroom awesome. more formally. I am going to connect back to our stories and collaboration um, as part of this whole personalized learning concept. When I started at Winthrop, I was working with Lisa Harris, and the framework, the theoretical framework we use in our um, core, our program, is UDL. Mm -hmm. And we are trying to teach our students to use UDL as a lens to go into their own classrooms. So that was my first foray. And then when I started working closely with Old Point with Jennifer Miller, the personalized learning, that's what they call it there. Mm -hmm. And I, in conversations with her, I was like, that's, that's UDL. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I started doing some research into how, what personalized learning is and how it is related to UDL. It's just been such a great learning journey for me because yeah. I was doing pieces and parts, mm -hmm. but um, to understand the whole thing collectively is fantastic. Awesome. Well, we're going to be right back with our second half of the episode. back with our lovely guests so we are ready for our next um, part of the episode our special segment that we like to call making it or breaking it so for those who are just joining in um, our guests are going to share a make which is pretty much a highlight or something that they've seen or done that's been successful in the work of personalized learning um, or they can share a break, which would be a struggle or barrier or concern that they've encountered along their personalized learning journey. Um, and we'll kind of go from there. So in no particular order, who wants to share their make or break? I'll start by sharing a make. Okay. Um, so after a student, so I start them by, they have to set a SMART goal. And then once they work through it and have met their goal and are at benchmarking that standard and make them reflect on it. Mm -hmm. And so some of their reflections are just really interesting to me because they'll talk about like what activities they chose and what conditions they learned best in mm -hmm. and what struggles they had. And then they just really kind of just celebrate the failures that they had. And that's how we best learn. Mm -hmm. And I had one student come up to me after he actually failed uh, the assessment um, and he said, I don't understand why I why I didn't, why I'm not at benchmark in this area because I feel like it's a strength for me, mm -hmm. you know. And he was able to show me his evidence, and um, and we sat down together and we looked at his the assessment that he did, and he was just making silly mistakes because he got kind of careless and too confident. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to tell him that that came from him. Wow. And all of this stuff, he's like, oh, I'm just making this little mistake, and I know better than that. I guess I'm just running through it too wow. fast, and that's more powerful coming from him than yes. it is from me. Yes, and that's why. And what, remind us again what grade Fourth that is. grade. Fourth so grade. nine years mm -hmm. old. Wow. Ten. Brittany, wow. I have a question for you. Okay. When you started doing goals initially with your students, how did you structure that? How did you set that up? Good question. I have, I 
and I just started with them a new group this year and I have it so it's a fill in the blank okay I will be either at or above mm -hmm. benchmark so they choose at or above in and then they choose the standard based on what's on the wall okay by and then they choose a date okay mm. so it's I'm hoping that they can do that on their own soon yeah but right now it's just kind of a fill in the blank your make it reminds me of a story. Um, I was observing a third grade classroom and we had one of our struggling students who was working on their math pathway. Our students have student friendly pathways that they work on individually. Mm -hmm. And I went to her and said, hey, what's your work? And she goes, I hate math, I'm not good at it. Mm. And I said, okay, well, what's going on? And she said, well, you know, my pre-assessment, I wasn't as, you know, solid on it. And so then I came back about a week later and she even had jumped up on her pathway and I said, okay, what's going on? She goes, you know what? I kind of like math now because I know exactly where I need to go. I know exactly what's missing. And at our school, we really celebrate when they move from one progression to the next. And so we have a big captain bell that's in the very front of our school. And so whenever you meet your goal, our students get to go out and they get to ring the bell. Aww. And to watch that child ring the bell, I have never heard that bell ring fat louder or longer <laughs> than any student. Yeah. And so for her to see her peers cheering her on, and she recognized, you know, really, it's just I'm in a different process. Mm -hmm. And so she recognized that the struggle made it even more worthwhile for her, mm -hmm. for her learning. So that was a huge make it. Wow, that is an awesome story. And, and I'm glad that y'all both speak to that because I think a lot of students sometimes get disenchanted with education because they don't see progress, mm -hmm. especially if they've been marked as, you know, the, the students who, you know, they're behind. Mm -hmm. um, they're so used to being behind and being last that they just give up sometimes. But having a system in place or, you know, a culture in place where you can allow for little victories to be celebrated and transparency. I like how you said that you have the standards like in an ICANN format in a way that students can understand. Being transparent about where we're at and where we're going is, is so important. I think adding on to that too, because you touched on the culture and the environment. I think it's critical that we teach growth mindset to our students because had that student not had the growth mindset, it's okay to try, it's okay to fail, we pick ourselves back up, I'm not there yet. I think without that fundamental piece before you jump into the pathways, mm. I think sometimes you'll have a disconnect, but students need to understand the mindset. Yeah, well. agreed. That's really neat. We're working in my class on implementing little pieces. My students are not in their own classrooms yet. Mm -hmm. They're in a classroom one to two days a week depending on what their major is. So we've tried implementing little things. For example, um, I had my students each pick a standard from something they were getting ready to teach and they developed choice boards and we did that on the computer. Um, most of them used like Google tools. Mm -hmm. So they embedded different resources, con videos, um, different articles, pieces from online, attack, you know, connected to a standard and then developed activities that would work for their students in their classrooms. And that's just a piece mm -hmm. of the whole big puzzle. But I was really proud of my students who at first weren't super invested in the whole personalized learning thing, mm -hmm. that they could see a piece that they could easily implement even though they don't have their own classrooms yet. Yeah, I agree. 
Well, guys, I thank you so much for coming. The last thing I'm going to ask you is for all of our listeners out there who might want to get in touch with you or see some of the work that you're doing, how can they get in touch with you? Do you have any social media accounts, emails, anything you'd like to share? So um, I'm Kelly Stella. You can email me at my school email address, which is stellok at bcsdschools.net. We also would love to extend an invite. Um, Westby Elementary School is going to be an inquiry lab in November, so we would love to have you visit us and give us constructive feedback as well. We want to learn and grow with you. And I'm on Twitter. It's at Brits, B-R-I-T-S underscore. You can follow me there. I am also on Twitter at L-Yerta, Y-E-A-R-T-A. All right, guys. We'll be back in a second to close things out. Before we close out today's episodes, I want to leave you with a quote to think about. This quote comes from John Quincy Adams, and it says, If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. In the field of education, and more specifically in our world of personalized learning, it is very and extremely helpful to share your story and to leverage those stories in order to inspire and move the work forward for the sake of our students. We hope you let that quote drive your work for weeks to come. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Be sure to connect with the Office of Personalized Learning on social media. Tweet us at PersonalizedSC and follow us on Instagram at SCPersonalized. Please also send in any questions you have regarding personalized learning for our Q&A segment on future episodes. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!